Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Today we have on the show Karim Abouzaid, the founder of Wu, a last mile delivery app that delivers essentials and non-essentials to the end consumer. Welcome to the show, Karim. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me, Hadi. I'm very well, thank you. Take us to the top and explain to a five-year-old what your company is about. Vu is a mart in an app. Basically, when we came to 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 find a tagline for it, that's not uh, pure Egyptian, and we just wanted to find a tagline that would work for all. We came down and narrowed it down to Vu is a mart in an app. So basically, it's your go-to convenience app that would deliver in less than 30 minutes all your uh, convenience needs. And we stress on convenience because we designed the app and everything around it to be convenient to the consumer who wants something and they want it now. Excellent. And are you a marketplace, meaning you connect a supermarket to the end consumer or you're someone who has their own warehouses and you distribute from your own warehouses? We are not a marketplace. Well, basically, when Vu came to be born, the idea came, okay, there was Glovo. I'm I'm sure you know Glovo. So Glovo was big and huge in Egypt. Basically, Glovo is a third-party aggregator. They bring something from somewhere and they give it to another person somewhere else. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to come up with a concept of quick commerce or something that would deliver quickly. So in order to deliver quickly, you have to have your own inventory. So basically what we do at VU is we have micro-fulfillment centers. We call them FCs. So our FCs are located in central areas covering certain geographical areas within 15 minutes from end to end. And this is how we operate. So we have fulfillment centers that has all the inventory. And the minute you order something from the app, pinpoint your location. It will acquire where your location is and direct you to the nearest fulfillment center. And so whatever you see there is whatever you get. You click on whatever you want, you order it, it's picked, packed, and delivered to you. That's amazing. And how did you know that there's a pain point in the market when you develop? What was your thought process? Any mental frameworks that you used to identify such pain points? It was a funny thing. It was actually my brother's birthday. So I'm co-founder of VU. My brother, Omar Abouzid, who is the CEO and also co-founder of VU. And we have Mohammed Abu Fricha, who's our co-founder as well and responsible for the product. So basically, it was my brother's birthday, and it was like 1 a.m., and we ran out of ice and mixers and juice and stuff like that. So the nearest market to Ormart, just to say, like the one, you know, those in the petrol stations, was like half an hour away. By the time you go there, by the time you pick it up, by the time you come back, it's like 45 minutes. That's if you're driving fast. So we were like, why isn't there an app where you can just order something and brings (laughs) whatever you ordered just quickly? And Muhammad uh, Fericha actually had this uh, idea and he was working on it. So we all sat together and we just took a quick, very quick decision. That was October 2019. And we launched VU 23rd of December 2019. So that was like a few months after. 
Yeah, so it was a soft launch, and we actually really launched beginning of January 2020. Interesting. Do you remember your first customer? I think I remember the first, if I'm not mistaken, 50 customers. So we know them one by one. We know what they order. We know what they want. We know how fast they want it. We know everything about them as customers. And I was hoping that day that would come that I would not know my customers, which means that you have a lot of customers. And I would not know my delivery guys because for the first month or two, no, I think until March, uh, Ramadan, which was Ramadan 2020, we were super involved with everything, every single person who works in the company, all the delivery guys, all the fulfillment center packer, pickers and packers. We know them all person by person, their family, everything. But then as the company grows, you lose track of things. You know, at one point, you really want this to happen, that they don't know you. All the delivery guys, they used to have my phone number. They used to call me whenever there's a problem. I call them. I follow up on what's happening. But the minute the company starts growing, you lose track of all this. So yes, I know our first 50 customers. I know them name by name. And whenever I see their names in the ordering list, I know they are still our customers and they still come as returning customers. Do you recall what was your strategy back then to acquire your first 100 customers? This is a very important question because strategy is everything. And I'll tell you something that's really, really, really important for entrepreneurs and startup, whatever you want to call it, new beginners. I always recall Jeff Bezos once said that when he first started Amazon, it was just a bookstore. And that's what he was thinking of, just an online bookstore and nothing more than that. So Basically, what we did, and I read a lot of the Amazon books to help me get started because I do not come from the domain, and my domain is basically film production, my brother as well. So we wanted to put a strategy that's like in marketing, they say single-minded message. So our single-minded message was basically, we wanted to be so convenient that we personally like to buy from Vu, and we built everything up on this because when you put yourself in the customer's shoe when you put the customer first you will always always get this customer back to you and that was the strategy basically when we first started very simple we want to be very convenient we want to be wowing the customers and we actually did achieve that with the first batch of customers you know putting feedback on facebook and stuff like that we decided we do not want to put any marketing spend to get customers. We had a very, very, very clear strategy. My brother put it. He's like, if Egypt is 100 million, I only want 1 million. So we focused on not catering to the mass. We wanted to cater to very, very selected group of customers who are going to come and buy from Vu and come again and again and again, not only, but will also let their friends and family download Vu and order from Vu because it is so, so convenient that they do not want to order from anywhere else. That's amazing. Let's dive a little bit deeper into Vu. What sort of financial metrics can you share with the audience? It's not that I don't want to say numbers, but it's just that I want to make it simple for startups because this is also really important. When we launched Vu, we decided we don't want to go to like investors and VCs because we thought, okay, if I get a loan now, so it's call it an investor's loan or 
whatever loan it is, I will always be in debt and I will not be able to move freely. So we decided to put a financial plan and the financial plan was basically from month one to month 12 and then from month 12 to month 24. With this plan, we decided we want to grow to certain areas and the idea from the first was we want to cover Egypt by and starting with Greater Cairo. The financial plan we put ended up with a figure and this figure we decided are we willing to put this amount of money from our own pockets? So what I can really tell you is whatever number you hear from startups raising $10 million or $10 million whatever for a stake of 20% in the company and all these things, we didn't do that. We were even less than half a million dollars <laughs> to start with. And we just started building it up bit by bit, bootstrapping, and then cash flow did, did the magic. Yeah, as you mentioned, you're fully bootstrapped. If we look at similar models that you know erupted in, in the US and Europe, such as Zap or GoPuff or Gorilla, these big startups have raised billions of dollars. What's your secret sauce in acquiring customers without having a lot of cash behind you? So this can go back a little bit to our background as we work in the advertising business, my brother and I, and we really understand how the advertising business works. And we thought, again, as I told you, we decided we do not want to cater to the mass. We don't want to acquire the mass. However, when you go on a full-fledged TV ad that you spend millions on, or you go on billboards and magazines and whatever you want to call it, you will end up getting a lot of people that's going to look good when you acquire. So, for example, I'm going to do this big, big publicity campaign, even if it's not big, even if it's just a medium-sized publicity campaign. Now, what's going to happen is I'm going to acquire, like, say, 100,000 customers. Those 100,000 customers, only 100 are going to buy. And that's going to be really annoying, not just the, the PNL, but the graph. We always wanted to have returning customers and we always wanted to have this on a good scale. So yeah, we thought, okay, the way to acquire customers here is to use the power of word of mouth. And we tried it. So we tried to be really good with our customers. We used our friends to start spreading the word. And we have a really good network when it comes to celebrities, etc., etc. So we told our friends and celebrity friends that we have this and we have that and we started Vu. And surprisingly, some of them already knew it and they were like shocked that it's ours. So it took just a little bit of time to get to acquire customers very, very slowly, but very steadily. That's what I always tell them in our group meetings in the company that, yes, we don't have thousands and thousands or hundreds of thousands. Now we have a lot, but, but I mean, back then we don't have like hundreds of thousands of customers, but the customers we have are super solid. It's like a very well-built structure that you cannot easily shake off. And how were you able to build this? So if we go to your marketing tactic at the beginning to get the first hundred or thousand customers, you mentioned you didn't invest a lot of money in you know, traditional advertising. If I were to replicate this as an entrepreneur, what's a tactic that you could give our audience that they can use in their business? Okay, this is a very, very good question. And I'll tell you why, because I think what we did 
No company does. In, I think Amazon did this in the beginnings, and I think Amazon still does that. Amazon is a big company, and we learned a lot from their model. If you see my library here, I have a lot of Amazon books <laughs> on how to do things when it comes to logistics and business, and they're amazing doing that. So what we did, and again, this comes from a personal experience, we put marketing budget into customer service. Here's how we did it. We invested in customer service. I put a KPI of 10 seconds. So whenever a customer sends anything on the chat, they would say, I have a problem. I want to ask about my order. Where is my order? Is my order late? Whatever they want to say, they need to get a response in less than 10 seconds. This is number one. Number two, the marketing budget is all put there at the customer support. So whenever a customer has a problem or whatever the problem is, late order, because, you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah, of course, you get problems. Uh, a delivery guy had an accident. What can we do? The order is delayed. But what we do is, or sometimes it trainings, and when it trains, it pours in Egypt. So you get blocked streets, and that's when we have to shift to cars and have to deliver. But again, orders are late. So what we do is we compensate these customers with free orders. We're sorry for your experience. We're giving you this order for free, and you get store credit and stuff like that. So you keep them happy. And they would, again, be your advocates and ambassadors to recruit your next customer, which is their cousin or their friend or whenever they're sitting in a... It's always like this. I get a lot of customers who are friends who tell me that they would be sitting in a group of 10, 15 people, especially, you know, in Ramadan and Ramadan gatherings, they would sit in a gathering of 10, 15 people. And what they do is like, oh, yeah, well, let's order it from Vuf. So the other guy says, oh, what's Vu? They say, oh, you don't know who? Here it is. They show them the app. They download it. Done. You have a customer. Yeah, so that's the marketing strategy. We don't spend on Facebook ads. We don't spend. We do, of course, the Facebook posts and social media posts and all that. But we never spend on marketing there at all. We send to our top customers every Ramadan gifts and stuff like that. We never do coupons. We never do discounts. We never do the get your first order free or get your... 100 Egyptian pounds off your uh, next order, whatever. We never do that. Very interesting. So here's a question that you probably have thought of. A huge market like Egypt with a model that's working for Vu, wouldn't it attract big competitors like Karim? They have the infrastructure, they have the app, they have the marketing budget to come in and try to take market share from you, especially that you guys are bootstrapped. You don't have VC money behind you. How would you counter this if it ever happens? This might be a complicated answer, but bear with me. So when we launched in 2020, if I may say, so forget about the December soft launch. So let's start from January 2020. When we started in January 2020, there were no competitors at all. And I don't know if I should mention competitor names, but I would just tell you that after a few months, one competitor we have now pivoted from what they used to do. So they used to do like bakery stuff, then they pivoted to the Q-commerce business. And later, a huge, huge company was acquired and they have their also the quick commerce business model, which was used in Germany and they opened it here in Egypt. And then in June, also another company opened and they started also competing with us in the same field. 
But again, the trick here was we decided not to look at them. Of course, you have to look at your competition to understand what they're doing. But we decided not to look back. I heard this many times, and I'm sure you heard this many times. You know, when you're running a track, if you look behind you or you look to the side, you're just going to lose time. If you just focus on your target, you're just going to go straight. And we were like, guys, I'm not going to look at competition or what they're doing. They're not going to tease us off. Of course, they have all the big bucks. They have all their millions. But we have our strategy. You know, if you stick to your strategy, you will always win. If you start pivoting your strategy because, oh, look what they're doing. Okay, let's pivot now. Oh, look what they're doing. Let's change this. Oh, look what they're doing. So you will always do what something to compete with what they're doing or to oppose what they're doing. We just decided not to look at competition when it comes to what they're doing versus what we are doing. We decided to just keep on doing what we're doing and do it as good as possible. And we're succeeding doing that. It's working. Thanks, God. <laughs> Perfect. Are you a morning person or an evening person, Karim? Well, this brings me to another thing because, okay, I'm a filmmaker, so I direct movies and I direct TV commercials and I direct this and that. I produce as well and I distribute. So I have this part of my life, which is a night person. <laughs> and I have the other part of my life, which is running VU. So basically, VU, I'm not just a co-founder. I'm heading and running the operations. So everything that has to do with ops, I'm taking care of. So this requires me to be on available in the mornings and also at nights because we open from 8 a.m. until 2 a.m. In the summer, we open until 4 a.m. And I live between Egypt and Dubai. So when I'm in Dubai, 4 a.m. is like 6 a.m. in Dubai. And it's like all over the place. So I don't really sleep much. But if you want to have a meeting with me at 8 a.m., I'll be available. If you want to have a meeting with me at 2 a.m., I'll be available. So I just manage my time this way. So what are your routines to keep you that productive throughout the day? I think it's a mix of many things. I meditate and my meditation is a bit funny because I like to wash my car. So washing my car is my meditation. It, it keeps me focused, really. I try to nap. I do the 25 or 40 minutes naps and I do those a lot so I can just snap out for 40 minutes and then come back all up and running. I try to sleep early and wake up early if I don't have anything that would keep me up at night. Like sometimes I just put kids to bed and I just go sleep with them. And then I wake up the next morning at like 6 a.m. So there is not really a specific routine that I'm doing. I try to exercise now. I'm not really exercising much. It's not really good. But when I do exercise, it really also keeps me focused and keeps ideas coming in and flowing. Of course, when I'm shooting, when I'm filming, it destroys my schedule and my routine. So because shooting, you shoot continuously for like 14, 16 hours a day and you sleep if you get time to prepare for the next shooting day. So this I consider like a days off that I take from Vu, but I manage. It's, it's working. <laughs> That's great. You know, entrepreneurship is sometimes lonely, especially when you're at the top. How are you dealing with what we call entrepreneur's anxiety? Well, anxiety is anxiety. So when you work a full-time job and you get a salary at the end of the month, it's basically you have this, you're settled down, you're at ease, you know cash is coming or whatever. I always see that this in 2022, 2020, I mean, this era of our lives is so connected to finance I don't know 
why or how, but apparently that's how it's happening. And usually when it comes to anxiety, it's always related to financial issues. Basically, when you're an entrepreneur and you have a few companies that you're running, you are responsible not only for your family, but responsible for the families of everyone's working with you. These guys decided or did not go to a corporate or a multinational. They came to a startup and they're working with you and you're responsible for them. That's a big responsibility. So at any point, I'm always working towards making VU bigger and bigger, making sure that we never have to, you know, get loans and all that. Bootstrapping is a killer. I always say that. But it keeps the founders in control of the company. All our employees, they believe in us so much. They know what's happening day by day. They know every acquisition offer we get. They know, (laughs) I mean, our employees, we keep them in the loop. We let them know everything that's happening in the company. And I think that's very healthy because they keep up. You know, sometimes when we have to be late for salaries, they know and they know why. And they know it's coming anyway. But again, I will go back to your question. Anxiety is anxiety. You get it because there is something that you're overthinking about. And I feel that's not just entrepreneur anxiety. I think that's like life anxiety. <laughs> you get it because you're thinking or and overthinking of something and you want to get over with it. So I hope I answered your question correctly, if that's what you were uh, trying to, uh, to get. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Karim. How important is failure to you? I know people say that when you fail, you succeed, and failure is important because it it lets you learn and all these nice quotations. (laughs) But I hate failure. I don't like to fail. I failed, of course, many times. But I don't like to fail, and I don't like to fail myself, and I don't like to fail. It's not just in front of people, but also in front of myself. Failure is, yes, important to learn from it, so you would not do this again. But... I take a lot of risks. So in my situation, failure is usually huge. (laughs) And uh, I really don't like to be hit that hard, you know. (laughs) Nobody likes that. So failure for me means a, a big hit or you fall hard on the floor. And I hope it never happens. And whatever failures I faced were, however, minor failures, not really major. And I think I'm lucky for that. I see many other people, they hit the, the floor hard, and I wish this never happens to me. One last question. What is next for Vu? As I told you in the beginning, we wanted to think one step at a time. So basically, we're covering Greater Cairo now. We just have one more fulfillment center to launch. We have our seasonal fulfillment center, which is in uh, the north coast of Egypt, which is the summer happening go-to place during the summer. So we have this seasonal one, July and August. And then, yeah, we're one fulfillment center away from covering Greater Cairo. We'll we'll go, sorry, uh, national. So we'll go to other cities in in Egypt. And then we're going regional. That's the plan for now. We have other business verticals that we're launching very soon. Nothing I can (laughs) disclose yet, but we're working on other verticals that we're starting hopefully in the next year. Karim, thank you for being part of our show. We wish you the best of luck with Wu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Hadi, so much. I'm really happy that I was on this show. And I hope uh, many new entrepreneurs would learn from it. Yeah, the secret sauce is just put a strategy, believe in it, stick to it, and then just work towards making it happen. Uh, Stay focused and do not just pivot because 
you took the first punch, you know. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Same to you. Thank you, Hadi. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.